Um, and this even extends to our, our own government's treatment of older people. Uh, do you remember a, a few months ago when the, the government faced the in, inquiry about COVID uh, a couple of months back? And there was rightly quite an outrage at some of the details that leaked from the private conversations between MPs. And uh, when Boris Johnson was being grilled, um, there was a message that he had written to someone. And I quote, this whole thing is pathetic. COVID is just nature's way of dealing with old people. And if you fit into the category of older people, you may feel as if society doesn't respect you or appreciate you as you have done for the older generation when you were growing up. Uh, you would have referred to people as sir or madam or Mr. and Mrs. You would have stood up when they entered the room and given up your seat for them. And what I'm not going to do this morning is, is to get you nostalgic for times gone by. Uh, scripture warns us against nostalgia. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon says, uh, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. So when we allow this feeling of, of nostalgia to consume us, it can lead us to all kinds of unhelpful and fruitful behaviour. Uh, living in the past is a form of, of losing touch with reality. So what we need is not to, to pine back for the golden age, but what we need is God's message for today. God's word is eternally relevant, isn't it? And it transcends cultures and eras. So let me say to you this morning, all the people of Bethel, you are truly appreciated and we love you and we honour you. And some people are trying to avoid my gaze at the moment because they don't want to be considered old. <laughs> But the Bible clearly teaches that uh, we respect our elders, don't we? And it reminds us that God cares for those who are entering the final years of their lives. And in Isaiah 46, uh, we read, Even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. 1 Timothy, as well, speaks of the respect that we're to have for older believers. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And here in this letter, the letter of Titus, we have timeless truths for seasoned saints. Here are the things that Titus is to teach to the older members of the church in Crete. And this is what we are to be like. Older men, I want to address you first. Uh, if you are a young man, or consider yourself to be a young man, this is what we ought to see in you as you grow into old age. So the first of these things, uh, to be willing to learn. To be willing to learn. Now, uh, you'll look down in your text and you'll see where does it say that. Uh, this first thing is, is implies rather than said. And by listing things that Titus ought to teach to the older men, it implies that the people listening ought to be willing hearers. Now, there's a, a phrase, isn't there? Uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And change is harder the older we get. As we get older, we grow more accustomed to routine. We like to sit in the same seats. Uh, we like to have the same breakfast and wear the same clothes. And the older our brain gets, uh, the more rigid it becomes 
and the brain circuit that um, help us to adapt to new uh, situations uh, diminishes over time. And throw that together uh, with sinful, stubborn human nature and you can see why it's hard to change our ways. I'm 31 and I have seen a stubbornness and an obstinance in myself that was not present 10 years ago. So here, Paul is telling Titus what older men are to be like and they're supposed to hear this and be receptive. He is to teach them and they're to listen. So my first challenge to you, to older men and to everyone else who hears, we need to be willing to learn. Regardless of how old you are, young and old, whether we've been following the Lord for for six weeks or six decades, uh, for us to continue to grow in the likeness of Christ, we need to have soft hearts. We need to have humility. We need to have ears that hear. And that is a, a prerequisite for everything else that we're going to hear this morning. Uh, secondly, look down at uh, verse 2. Uh, he mentions being sober-minded and dignified and self-controlled. Now, this doesn't mean that uh, older men are to be glum and joyless. But there is to be, like we mentioned with elders a few weeks ago, a seriousness about things of eternal importance. Uh, to, to be able to discern what is good and what needs to be talked about in a serious way. And my hope is that as you grow, uh, then you will grow in confidence and faith in the Lord and maybe the erratic unpredictability that may have been a feature of your youth will develop into dignity and self-control. Thirdly, he wants us to be uh, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness. Uh, He mentions uh, that uh, faith is so important to all these things. And remember we said what sound means? Sound means uh, healthy, doesn't it? So to be healthy in our faith. That means not to be reliant on tradition, not reliant on routine, or because this is what we've always done, not because you believe in your own goodness, but for there to be a a continual resting on the everlasting arms of the Lord. And notice he adds that it's to be done in love. Uh, Older men can have a a reputation for being extreme either way with their outlooks. They can either be stoic and immovable as they cope with all the changes that come with with, uh, retirement and ill health and bereavement or other extremes. And the other extreme can be sentimentality. And uh, you meet some older men that can't get through a sentence without becoming a, a blubbering wreck. And Paul urges Titus to instruct the older men in the church to be sound in, in love, to be like Christ in everything. And that is to be the foundation for all, okay? Uh, steadfastness, he says. Older men, be steadfast. You are to be characterized by your stickability. All of you, I'm sure, have, have got stories of how you have endured difficulties, times of hardship, economic, emotional, spiritual, marital, but you are still here by the grace of God. That is an encouragement to all of us. When we see an older saint walk through the doors on Sunday morning, it's an encouragement to us. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, 
The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So be encouraged, men. Uh, we will strive to honour you and bless you, and we will pray for you amidst all the, the trials that the older years can bring, and we'll pray that the Lord would help you to be willing to learn and to grow in the likeness of Christ, and that everything that you do would be steeped in love and in faith. So how about Paul's instructions for the older women? Uh, the first thing that we see is there in verse 3, and uh, the term that he uses here, reverent in behaviour, it's the only place in the whole of the New Testament that you get this, this Greek word. And uh, it's the word that is, uh, can be translated... It's the mic on again. I'll keep it on here and I can check intermittently if the green light is on. Is that, is that coming through? Great. Um, so the word that um, is used here, reverent in behaviour means uh, priest-like. It's the same word that's used for to be like a priest. And so uh, Paul is saying that he wants the older women in the church to be priest-like. He wants a, a devotion to God in everything that they do. Uh, the priests, if you remember, if you cast your minds back to the Old Testament, uh, they were the one who acted as intermediaries between man and God in the temple in the Old Testament times. And Everything that they did in, in word and in deed uh, was measured and dignified. Paul wants the older ladies of the church to be, to be like priests, to be those who uh, represent the, the people to God. Isn't that an amazing privilege that you've got? Uh, the, the other thing that he mentions, the second thing, is there in verse 3 as well. Do not be slanderers or slaves to much wine. And this reference gives us a little insight into what Crete was like. Uh, there was lots of wine and there was lots of free time. And that meant drunkenness and gossiping. And sadly, is that not dissimilar to what um, Wales is like today? And when we think about alcohol problems in the UK, we may be tempted uh, to picture young people uh, getting drunk, especially in, in the town centres on Saturday nights and and newspapers, especially a few years ago, they had a, an obsession with showing these, these horrible scenes. Uh, but statistics now seem to suggest that young people have, have stopped drinking. And uh, they're not drinking as much as they used to. But older adults are drinking about the same amount as before, if not more. And they're experiencing more alcohol-related problems. And there are all sorts of reasons why an older person may be more inclined to drink excessively as they adjust to life in retirement or the struggles of bereavement or a, a loss of sense of purpose in life, fewer opportunities to socialise, uh, change in financial circumstances. Uh, all of these things could, could contribute. Uh, but the root cause is dissatisfaction, isn't it, with the situation that God has placed us in. Turning to, to alcohol is never going to bring about the happiness or the comfort that we think it's going to. 
It's never going to be the answer to our times of distress. Now, maybe you're sat here this morning and you think, I don't have that temptation. And if it isn't your temptation, then that's, that's, that's okay, that's good. Uh, but there's a, a danger to, that we could be self-righteous here. But there's a, a reminder here as well of something that is far more, uh, we are far more prone to falling into. And here is a, a reminder here for the women in the church not to be slanderous, to be those who gossip. And in a society where the women would not have worked and would have had more time to socialize, uh, the temptation would have been to pass the time away by discussing every aspect of other people's lives. And we too may feel that same temptation. And whether it's a, a thinly disguised prayer point or just mentioning a rumor of a rumor you may have heard, or maybe you just want to hear someone else's opinion on something that you may know. Uh, we must stay clear of this. Uh, the Bible is, is so clear that gossip is something that we all struggle with. And it's so clear about the dangers of slandering and of gossip. Uh, there are so many proverbs that specifically speak about the dangers of gossip. Here are three for you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. And the third one, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Maybe you can think of uh, friendships or, or family relations that have been ruined, that have been damaged and have been broken by words said in secret or think of what the the uh, the brother of Jesus James says no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison so let's remember here uh, gossip is not something that women do just women do we'd be foolish to come to that conclusion we can all find ourselves tearing other people apart behind their backs and there's an appeal to, to slander and gossip that we need to get behind. What is the appeal? What is it? Well, it passes time, doesn't it? It makes the day go faster. It connects us with people, doesn't it? If you are talking about someone that you both dislike, then uh, it connects you together, doesn't it? It makes you feel better about yourself by, uh, by discussing someone else's issues. It makes you feel so much better about yourself. We may be jealous of other people and may be dissatisfied with the things, the way things are going in our own lives. So discussing someone else's difficulties and reveling in someone else's flaws can be a way of trying to feel better. And ultimately, it's a way of feeling like God, isn't it? Being all-knowing and all-seeing and all-judging because, of course, she did that or he did that and you never would. Uh, they, they're guilty of that, but... I would never do such a thing. So whatever it is that may be your motivation to gossip or slander, let's remember what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew's gospel. I tell you, on the day of judgment, every person will give an account for every careless word they speak. Remember what Paul says uh, to the Ephesians, let no corrupting talk come from your mouths, but only that that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So let's all be gracious with our words, encouraging others 
uh, believing the best. When someone comes with, uh, to you with, with something that they've heard and, uh, and they, they say some malicious rumour, well, let's believe the best in that, that other person, showing a, a, a desire to see that this is not the case and showing a willingness to leave conversations or to steer them towards the right direction uh, from where they were going before. Uh, not jumping to conclusions, but with an eagerness to see people growing in likeness of Christ. Which leads us to the third thing Paul longs to see. He wants to see the passing on of truths from older women to younger women. Uh, look at the end of verse 3 and, and the start of verse 4. Uh, they're to teach what is good. Train young women to, to love their husbands and children. A report shows that uh, in the UK, the ratio of, of women uh, to men in church is as much as 65% to 35%. And if you look at the programs that run in churches, there's a much higher percentage of women that help in these things. We don't know why this is. Has the church become too uh, feminized? Do men struggle to admit that they need a savior and to be vulnerable? I don't know what the root cause is. We want the demographic of the church to reflect the, the demographic of the place that we live in. But with the abundance of women in church, there is therefore this added expectation and responsibility for godly older women to pass on their wisdom to the next generation. And yes, we must pray that men would come into the church, that, that we would not have such an imbalance. But we also want the women that are here to be thoroughly equipped in order that they might grow in their faith. So older women, teach what is good, as it says in verse 3. Pass on the message that you've received. Uh, going on to verse 4, train the young women. And we'll look at the specifics next time. But note that this isn't teaching that takes place in a classroom or even in a, in a public setting. Uh, but in conversation, to take those under your wing. Older women, seek the younger women in the church and don't just exchange pleasantries with them but encourage them train them discuss the things that are hard how do you respond to a, a husband that doesn't communicate or a child that won't listen to instruction how do you balance church and family and work and younger women the onus isn't just on the older women to instigate these conversations ask good questions to the older women glean from their many years of experience how did you used to study the bible as a family what did you do to make your home a, a refuge uh, for others uh, what advice would you give to someone uh, who is running on on three hours sleep uh, how do you forgive people when they let you down time and time again i don't know what the specific things that you need help with but i know there's a rich history throughout the life of bethel and the life of the church of godly grandmothers, both literal grandmothers and spiritual grandmothers who have prayed and given advice to those who need it most. So we can clearly see, oh, I hope we've seen this morning, that the healthy church is the church that not only has trustworthy elders in place, but the church where faithful older believers seek to encourage the next generation. We sometimes stress, don't we, that we need younger people in church we need 
kids here. We need more people at Little Lambs. We need more people at Explorers, more at Impact. That's the church's future, we might say. But while looking forward to the future of the church, we must not neglect the present. May we ask for God's help in seeking to live holy, blameless lives in this crooked generation. We need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we, in order to do any of this and the power of the Spirit to act upon it.